the CWCCS podcast with Bible teaching from Pastor Al Pittman. Today, we're in Acts chapter 14 with a message titled, Sustaining Presence. You know, our God is ever-present in challenging times. No matter what is happening in our world, He is the one who can sustain us. I'm looking forward to digging into this, but before we do, Pastor Al has written a new book that answers many questions people have at this time. It's titled, Revelation, Earth's Final Chapter. The last book of the Bible is sometimes the least read and often the most misunderstood. That's why Al Pittman has written a book from his teachings through Revelation. For those who read, those who hear, and those who keep the words of this prophecy, there's a blessing for you that you are hearing these words today. Revelation, Earth's Final Chapter by Al Pittman is the new book available for pre-order now. What would Jesus say about your church? What is unveiled in the book of Revelation? Why is the church missing for so many chapters? The church age has ended. The church age is an age of grace. Grace has ended. Now judgment has come. Review the book of Revelation chapter by chapter with Al Pittman in his new book. Pre-order now where you get books or go to cwccs.org. That's cwccs.org. Someone once said, you know, I wish God would speak to us as he did in days of old and all this, but God is speaking. But are we listening? Revelation, Earth's Final Chapter by Al Pittman. This new book by Pastor Al Pittman comes from his in-depth teaching series on the book of Revelation. A perfect read for such a time as this. Revelation, Earth's Final Chapter. Pre-order or go to cwccs.org. Now, today's message, Sustaining Presence. Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Acts chapter 14. Amen. Speaking about being close to you, we're going to talk about the presence of God. The sustaining, sustaining presence of our Lord. I've entitled this message, The Sustaining Presence. Amen. I don't know about you, but we need God's presence today. We're going to be looking only at a few verses, verses 1 to 7. Pray that God will richly bless you. Amen. I think I left my glasses somewhere. Be patient with me. Oh, there it is. Boy, I tell you, it's been 45 years. I'm just saying. (laughs) God is good. Thank you all for joining us online as well. Pray that the Lord would bless you. Uh, If you were with us last week, at this very point, Paul and Barnabas have been run out of Antioch of Pisidia for preaching the gospel, and now they arrived at the city of Iconium. And where is Iconium? Well, it's about 90 miles southeast of Antioch of Pisidia. Uh, it was the capital city of, a province, uh, of the province of Lyconia, uh, in, which is located in Central Asia Minor, which, as I've mentioned many times before, is modern-day Turkey. So escaping the persecution of Antioch and then arriving at Iconium, you know, as we will see in a moment here, is uh, akin to jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. And maybe some of you can relate to that because 2019, you were in the frying pan, but 2020, you're now in the fire. Amen. I mean, 2019 was a rough year, but uh, now that 2020 has come, man, we feel like we're all in the fire. But I'm reminded of Daniel chapter 3, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace and... uh, for not bowing down to this God that the king had, had created. And uh, uh, the Bible tells us that they discovered in the midst of the fire that there was a God who was able to sustain us. Amen? 
So I pray that God would bless you through his word. You may be going through the fire right now in your life, in a certain situation or whatever. I want you to know that you're not in the fire alone. Amen. So verse 1 of Acts chapter 14, let us read uh, verses 1 to 7 together. The Bible says, now it happened in Iconium that they, were, they went together to the synagogue of the Jews, which was their typical practice to go to the synagogue first, and so spoke, they were so bold in their, in their message, so spoke that a great multitude, both of Jews and Greeks, that is Gentiles, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was, who was bearing witness to, to the, the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, verse 4 says, in part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt, plan had been put together, was made by both uh, the, Jew, the Gentiles and the Jews with the rulers of the city to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. Amen. In verses 1 to 3, Paul and Barnabas were expelled from uh, we know they were expelled from uh, I, uh, Antioch of, of Pisidia uh, by the ruling class. And, and uh, here in Iconium, they're expelled by a mob. <laughs> uh, Iconium, as I was reading up on the city, the ancient city there in Turkey, it was a, had a democratic society. And so it was ruled basically by the people. There were rulers in the city, but the people uh, had a voice in the city. And I just kind of... Uh, Reveals to us that re really rebellion against the Lord is, is not is, uh, 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 unique to any particular class. Whether you're rich, the ruling class, or you're just in a mob, uh, all people, mankind, have rejected our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and have rejected the love of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The ringleaders of this riot, that's what it is, a riot uh, that uh, would take place, uh, were unbelieving Jews. The Bible says that they poison the minds of the people. And I like to pause there because I think of our society today, and, I, and in reality, a lot is happening today in the media to poison the minds of people toward the church. And I don't know if you've been following it lately, but some are now blaming the churches for the recent spike in COVID-19, uh, the upsurge in, in COVID-19 uh, COVID infections. Uh, in fact, uh, if you've been keeping up with the news, several churches uh, have been burned uh, from California all the way to Florida. And uh, people are starting to act out against the church uh, in physical ways. And um, our gathering together was seen, seen by many people, not by you who are here today, but by a lot of people. And uh, I'm not to indict anybody watching online, you know, watch online. But a lot of people feel like today gathering together is, is a danger to society for the church to gather together. In fact, it's even to the point of life and death, you know, that the church is promoting death in the uh, society. But in reality, we're promoting life. And that is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> 
But I might add to that, you know, be a little cynical, but, you know, it's okay to gather at Costco. It's okay to go to Walmart, and it's okay to go to the Las Vegas casinos. But if you go to church, church is the only place you can be sure to contract the virus. So we got to keep people out of the churches. A lot of the, the, the information out there is poisoning people's minds toward and against the church. The power of suggestion. Do not underestimate the power of suggestion. Suggestion is the, uh, a, is the psychological process by which one person guides the thoughts, feelings, or behavior of another person. That's what suggestion is. People are suggesting these things, and people are believing these things. But suggestion becomes perspective, and perspective, no matter how messed up it is, becomes reality in the lives of people. So in the people's minds, they've been poisoned against the church. In reality, the reality is that the church is evil. And of course, the Bible tells us that in the last days, that evil would be called good, and good would be called evil. Now, You've got to be careful, and I want to just encourage you to make sure that you are, are, you know, not allowing the perspective of the world and some of the negative things said about even the church uh, to guide your thoughts and your feelings and your actions. Because it's false information, and this is the way that people were reacting in Paul's day on false information, and so they wanted to take Paul and Barnabas out. I remember years ago, I mean, I asked the question, how many of you like Vienna sausages? You know what Vienna sausages are? They come in a little can. Anybody? Y'all don't have any Vienna sausages fans out here? Nobody's brave enough to raise their hand? Amen. Thank you, sister. I appreciate it right here. Amen. But you know, you get those. I get those. I only get six or seven in a little can, and you get your little crackers. Amen. Amen. Maybe a a can of Coca-Cola, and I'm in heaven. Amen. Uh, So, you know, but uh, my wife bought me some smoked Vienna sausages the other day, right? Well, for years, as a young man, I had some bad information, and I would call them Vienna sausages. Amen. That's what I call them. Now, some of you probably call them that. You're still calling them that, maybe. But I call them Vienna sausages. So I went to the store one day and asked a young man. I couldn't find him. I said, where are your Vienna sausages? He said, Vienna sausages? <laughs> Thought for a while. He said, no, we don't carry Vienna sausages. I went down one aisle, and I saw like two or three shelves of Vienna sausages. <laughs> I was a young man at the time. And I thought, oh, I guess the guy's a racist. He just didn't want to help me out. He's right. I want to see the manager. I went there, right there, amen. <laughs> Come to find out later on, it's not Vienna sausages. It's Vienna sausages. <laughs> amen. Now, now I know how to ask, ask for the right thing. My point is, is that my mind was poisoned with bad information, and that was a reality to me. It's Vienna sausages. No, it's Vienna. <laughs> amen. <laughs> so my life is better now, amen. I guess that's the moral to the story. But think about it, so it is today. People think one way, they think that's it. But when you get garbage in, you get garbage out. You get bad information in, it poisons your mind. And people's minds are being poisoned against the church today. They think one thing, but they've been told the wrong thing. And if the the basis of their information is false, then their reality will be false. And people are acting out based on false information and not the truth. Amen. The antidote to the poison that we find here in our text and that we find even today in our lives as believers is the sustaining presence of God. And why do I say that? Well, verse 3 is interesting to me because it says, therefore, they stayed there a long time. The people's minds were poisoned against them. They were trying to kill them. 
And they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, his grace granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Wow. Despite the vitriol, despite the hatred of their time, and or in that city of Iconium, they stayed a long time? I'm thinking a long time. I'm, I'm serious. It's just from a totally human perspective, if someone's out to get me and, and is hating on me, you know, I'm, leave, I'm, I'm getting out of Dodge. I'm leaving. But they stayed, and the Bible says, not just a little bit, but for a long time. Proclaiming the word of God, speaking boldly the word of God. There's only one reason for them to stay. It's because of the sustaining presence of God. That's the only reason to stay. I mean, when you think about it, we got to be really practical sometimes when we read the Bible and stop trying to make it so spiritual in the sense that, you know, we think these people were, were somehow walking two inches off the ground. They were just people. And their missionary journey up to this point was a failure. They had minimal success in Cyprus. They went to Perga uh, on the coast of uh, southern Turkey there, and, and then they went inland to Antioch of Pisidia, and they got run out of town, and now here people want to kill them. I would go, hmm, maybe Mark had the best decision. <laughs> Remember, Mark was with him, but Mark went back to uh, Jerusalem. Maybe Mark was the wisest and smartest of the three. And Paul and Barnabas continued on. Seemed like they would have given up. Nobody today, no pastor in his right mind in any church that wants to grow, would, would seek Paul the Apostle out for church marketing advice. <laughs> he was a complete failure in the eyes of men, and yet they stayed a long time. I love what Mother Teresa said once, and it's a good reminder for all of us that God, and I quote, God does not require that we be successful, only that we be faithful, close quote. Amen. And the problem I would submit to you many times in the church is that a lot of churches are trying to be successful. And the problem in the church, I think, sometimes is that we have too many successful believers. And what I mean by that, I mean that too many people who are worried about success and not obedience. There's nothing wrong with success, but when success is elevated above the Lord, then above the Savior, then there's a problem. And so some Christians and even some Christian organizations and and, uh, firms uh, do not want to rock the boat. So they kind of, you know, go along to get along. And they don't speak the truth. They don't stand up for Jesus because they'd rather be successful than obedient. And we just have to be careful today that we're not compromising it, that we see Paul and Barnabas here speaking boldly, that our boldness is not turned into coldness because we have elevated the values of men above the values of God. What really values, what he really values. Jesus reminded us and he warned us, he said, actually speaking to these religious Pharisees who looked on, uh, you know, uh, on the outward outwardly as if they were successful religious leaders and Jesus said you are those who justify yourselves before men but God knows your hearts for what I for, for what is highly esteemed excuse me for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God God does not measure success according to the world and if you don't get anything right in a day but that you've been obedient to God you're a successful person <laughs> If you've obeyed God, you've been successful. The world may say, oh, you know, it's a waste of time. You know, but if you've been obedient to God, you're a success in his eyes. Amen. 
Paul and Barnabas wanted to be a success in the eyes of God. So they stayed there a long time despite the vitriol, despite the uncomfortableness of the situation. They wanted to be where Jesus was. Man, may that be our heart's desire. Lord, I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. God had led them there. He had guided them there. And he was using the persecution and, the, and all the things that were happening to him for his good. Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So even though they got run out of Antioch of Pisidia, here they are in Iconium, and people are upset with them, but it's all working out. It's all good. Amen. It's all working out for good. There's an important lesson here for us, too. And it's kind of a sidebar in this message, but I thought it, important to, it was important to share it with you. An important lesson is found here regarding God's guidance in your life. A lot of times people wonder, is God leading me to do this? Or, you know, hear people saying, you know, oh, God told me this or God is leading me. How do we know God is leading us? Because God was definitely leading them to Iconium, Iconium and they stayed there trusting that God had led them there. Here are three questions that we should ask ourselves uh, when seeking the Lord's guidance. Uh, they help me in my life. I hope they'll help you. And again, it's kind of a little sidebar, but I pray that it blesses you. Here are three questions. Number one is, if circumstances change, would my mind change? When we're looking for God's guidance, we need to ask ourselves the question, if circumstances change, would my mind change? We're saying, God is telling me to leave. Yeah, but if they gave you a pay raise, would you stay? If they gave you a promotion, would you stay? Because if the answer is, if the circumstances uh, change, well, you, if your, your mind changes with the circumstances, then basically your decisions are being based upon circumstances and not Christ. You see what I'm saying? So I always ask myself, you know, if the circumstances change, would I, would I stay or whatever? Before my wife and I came up here, uh, I've told the story to first service folks, but, uh, you know, I'll share it with you as well, but uh, uh, we were... You know, voted in to come up here, my family and I, to pastor the church 23 years ago, over 23 years ago now. And uh, so we decided to come. I felt like God told us to come. God said, go. And I believe it was from the Lord. And they asked me, well, how much do you need to come up and, uh, you know, for your family? And uh, I'll, I'll tell you what the number was. Uh, I told them $250,000. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say I had three kids, my wife, you know, bills to pay and everything else. I, I was making probably 32 where I was at. And I said, if I could get 36K a year, you know, 23 years ago. And they said, well, we can't give you that. I said, I'm coming anyway. Because God told me to come. Amen. God told me. That's a true story. If I have to get two jobs or whatever I got to do, I believe God told me to come in God. Where God guides, he provides. And you always follow, listen to me, if you're inspiring to be in ministry you, in, as, a, as a full-time calling in your life, you always follow the call and not the cash. Because when you follow the call, God will provide for your needs. And we've never been hungry since we've been here. God has always provided. And so, you know, we're going to come and the guy calls me up. It wasn't a guy. It was one of the board members at the time. <laughs> he called me up and said, well, two, about two days later, we're going to give you what you asked for. And I said, I was coming anyway. Circumstances had changed. We're still coming. Because we had got God's word on it, and he was guiding us. 
So if the circumstances change, your mind changes, it must not be from God. Here's the second question you should ask yourself, and that is, is the prompting a long-sustained impression? Has this been on your heart for a long time, for years, for, for months, days, whatever? God just won't leave you alone. It's akin to the burden of Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a burden for Jerusalem. The walls had been burned down uh, and torn down around the city. He had a burden for Jerusalem. It was a burden of the Lord. He couldn't shake it. Now, you know, if, if the burden, if that burden, that impression from the Lord, God speaking to your heart, isn't a prolonged one, I would be cautious. Because you could be acting on the pizza you had the night before. <laughs> Just the way, you know, your mood changes, right? <laughs> You know, had too much coffee and you had a vision, you know, or whatever, you know. <laughs> Was it really God? Is God really guiding you? You have to really be careful. Because if it's, if it's not a long, sustained impression from the Lord, it may just be your opinion. It could be purely emotional. It could just simply be your feelings. And God has called us to walk by faith and not by feelings. And the Bible says, without faith, you cannot please God. So it has to be a faith. And the Bible also tells us that if a man or woman who is double-minded in the Lord cannot receive anything from the Lord. They're not wishy-washy. Not one day I'm going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. Next day, I'm gonna, you know, you don't do that when it's really from the Lord, a prompting from the Lord. Here's the third question that I ask myself and, and probably the most important. Is it biblical? Is it biblical? Does it fall within the parameters of God's word? That's so important. I had a guy tell me this, a true story. One time he was up here trying to do ministry or something. And I had a conversation with him this was many, many years ago. And, uh, you know, I asked him, where was his family? He said, well, my wife is in Florida. God told me to leave my wife. I said, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Just straight up. I don't even have to pray about this one. You lying. <laughs> because whatever God you're following is not the God of the Bible. Because my Bible tells me that a man who doesn't provide for his own household is worse than an infidel, worse than a dog. God didn't call you to do that. God called me to leave my... No, he didn't. You just got fed up and just looking for an excuse to leave the house. That's all. Amen. The Bible tells us in regards to different spirits impressions that we have or whatever it says behold or beloved rather not behold but love beloved first john chapter 4 verse 1 beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of god because many false prophets have gone out into the world be careful how do you test the spirits by the word of god god will never ask you to do something that's outside the parameters of his word that's why we need to be in the word why because his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path and by the way, God is not finished with any of us in here. He's still leading and guiding you. You don't come here and just park and just say, oh, I'm done. No, God is still leading and guiding. And so we need to ask those questions. I know for myself, if those, when those, I don't make a move unless those three things line up for me. Those three things line up for me. Because I understand that, you know, if I try to strike out and do something on my own, that I will not be sustained. And the only thing that will sustain me and what God has called me to do, what God is asking me to do, is his presence. I need his presence. Amen? Moses knew it so well. Moses said this concerning the presence of God. And, of course, Paul and Barnabas knew it as well. They, were, they wanted to be where Jesus was. And Moses said this in Exodus chapter 33, verses 15 and 16. 
The Bible says Moses prayed unto the Lord and said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. He's leading the people of Israel. He said, Lord, unless you're leading us, I don't want to go. Because I love your presence. I can't survive in your presence. And he says, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? How can people see Jesus in me unless the Lord is with me, unless his presence is with me? How can they see the grace of God upon my life unless the Lord is with me? And then he said, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. God has called us to himself. We're his. We are covered and sustained by his presence for his glory. The church is called to be his people, to follow him, to follow his presence. The poisoned minds of those who despise us, my friends, should not be our main concern. I know we live in a hostile society today. There's an antichrist spirit his, has just continued to increase ever uh, to, to ever increase in just this last year, I could just, just seem like the spirit of Antichrist is even more prevalent than ever before. And uh, that shouldn't be our concern. And the reason I say that is because Jesus said, hey, he warned us. He said, listen, a, a servant is not greater than his master. They hated me. They're going to hate you. And sometimes the church lives as if somehow, well, we can, we can kind of get along with the world. That what Jesus didn't understand is that, you know, you've got to find common ground. No, the reality is that he said he came to bring a sword, remember? And there's no compromise in him. And so, you know, uh, we need to make sure that we are seeking him and we understand that as we seek him, that everybody's not going to agree with the path that we have chosen. They hated our master. They're going to hate us as well. Our main concern is not with the fact, oh, people don't like us. Our main concern should be, and this was Paul, Peter, uh, Paul and Barnabas' main concern, is, is the Lord with us? I mean, Paul and Barnabas knew people didn't like them. <laughs> Multitude was coming out against them. But the concern wasn't with that. It was with the fact, is the Lord with us? And if the Lord is with us, we can stay. And they stayed, the Bible says, a long time. Well, it's interesting here in verse 3, we see the fruit of them staying and, and, or the fruit of God's word because it says that they spoke the word of God. In verse 3, they spoke the word of God boldly in the, in the Lord and was bearing witness, and, and, uh, and the Lord, rather, was bearing witness uh, to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders uh, by their hands. In other words, where the word, word of God is being boldly proclaimed, the Lord will bear witness to the word. Why? Because the Bible says he exalts the word even above his name. And where the word of God is being boldly proclaimed, God comes and he bears witness. And guess what? As he bears witness, his people, his people bear fruit to the glory of God. So where does it say bear fruit? It says that he granted them signs and wonders through their hands. Through their hands. I love that. That really encourages my heart today, and I pray that it would encourage your heart today too, in the midst of a hostile uh, environment against the church, against Jesus Christ in our society today. I'm not saying everybody's hating on us or whatever, but it, the hostility is growing, as I mentioned before. I pray that it would encourage you to understand this, that the Lord is still moving, that, that, that God's promises are not limited by a pandemic. 
that God's promises are true. You, so therefore, do not be intimidated. When the Bible says that, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, that word fear is, it, it also, can also, the Greek word can also be translated timidity. God has not called us to be timid, but to be bold in him, to not be intimidated by the world. And, and I love how the Lord just shows up in places and does stuff that, that people think that God can't do. And I was reading where, you know, California, they had shut down the churches, and you know, a lot of churches have been restrained and shut down, or not shut down, but, but limited to how many can meet and, and all of this. And uh, so I was reading this article in, in relationship to what was happening in California, and it said this. It says, here's the title, California Beach Revival Attended by Thousands. I said, look at God. Oh, you can't meet in the building. Oh, okay. They got beaches out there, you know. We got mountains here, but we got beaches. Beach revival, uh, out on the beach, a thousand people attending. It had the subtitle of the article said this, and that the church has left the building. I love that. <laughs> the church. And it's time, isn't it? It's time. And I know you're here, and I know you're passionate for the Lord. I know you're watching online because you're passionate for the Lord. And God is stirring his church up, I believe. The church is never going to be the same, folks. And the church has left the building. In other words, revival is breaking out. One guy said this. It was, uh, it was uh, quoted as saying this. Uh, one of the people out in, in this revival, he said it reminded him of the Jesus people movement. Some of you believe, remember that? The Jesus people movement from the late 60s and early 70s. And when I came to Christ, it was in the early 70s. Amen. Love song and all those different groups that were radical back then they had drums. The guitars electrified. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Amen. Remember those days? I remember days when we were in a Christian band, my wife and I, and you couldn't take, people wouldn't let you bring drums into church and all that. There was a mighty revival going on among the young people. It's happening again today. You watch God. You watch God. He is not intimidated by what is going on. Amen. <laughs> Just like God was not intimidated in Iconium, I believe today we are in the midst of a mighty harvest. It's not going to look like what we think it ought to look like, but it's a mighty harvest that is taking place. I believe that. And notice something here also before I move on is that God wants to move through your hands. The Bible says he granted signs and wonders through their hands. He wants to use your life as well. Their hands. God wants to move mightily through you. The Bible says here that his grace granting signs and wonders, that tells me his grace granting means that Paul and Barnabas weren't speaking things into existence. God was moving through them by his power. God wants to move through you. Do you believe that? Amen. God wants to move through you by his power. So well, I can't do it. That, that, that's, that's key. You can't do it. It's by his power. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says we have, we have this treasure the power of God, the spirit of God, the presence of God in earthen vessels, that is pots of clay. And we are our pots of clay. And I might add crack pots at, at that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We're imperfect vessels made out of clay. And he's placed his glory in us that the excellency of the, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That word excellency from the Greek word Hupapule, uh, and it means superiority, preeminence, beyond all measure. You know it's God when God calls you to something 
far above your pay grade. Listen, if you can do it and conceive of it, it's not God. When God calls you to something and he's, you say, Lord, I can't do that. He said, you're qualified. <laughs> I can't stay in this marriage. I can't. What? You're qualified. It's his power working through you. I am standing here as evidence of that scripture. This crackpot, God put his glory in for his glory. The excellency of the power is not of me, it's of him. And God wants it that way. He chooses the weak and the foolish and the things that are not to confound the wise and the strong of the world. For them to sit back and go, whoa, how did that happen? That guy's an idiot. Yeah. But God uses the foolish things so that in the end, no flesh will glory in his presence. So when people walk into Calvary Worship Center and say, how did this happen? Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but Jesus. That's how he receives the glory. God wants to use you. But if you think, well, yeah, God can use me over here because I have a degree in that, and uh, I've got some experience, Pastor. If you just hook me up with that, I'll just take care of that. You know what? God, that's not, God's not calling you. It's not that God doesn't use experience and things like that, but God calls people who say to him, I can't do it. God says, I can. And Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Praise his holy name. Amen. Give him praise and glory. So whatever you may be facing right now, you said, I can't do it. I don't know. Thousands of times I've said to God, I can't do it. I tell the story about when we were over in the old building and we were building the, the uh, nursery cry room. Remember, honey? And, we, and uh, the walls were up and they were putting the, the soundproof glass in. And it was a tough time. I was struggling. I was really going through it. And my precious wife was there. And I said, honey, I can't do this. I just, all the trials and things people talking about, just, I can't do this. And I fell on my knees in the crib between the cry room. I can't do this. <laughs> I was the first one to cry in the cry room. Amen. <laughs> you know what my precious wife did? She looked at me and said, come on, get up. She comforted me. Amen. But God says, that's, that's the type of person I'm looking for. Someone who can't do it. So that he can work through your hands by his power. Verses 4 to 7, we've already read it, but in verses 4 to 7, it says the multitude of the city was divided and some were for the Jews and some were for the apostles. And a scheme was discovered that they were going to try to stone Paul and Barnabas to death. And of course, Paul and Barnabas became aware of it and they fled the city. And they went to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia. And the Bible says, and they were preaching the gospel there. I love that. No matter the persecution, no matter the trials, no matter what was going on around them, they stayed on message. They stayed on message. Church, stay on message. Stay on message. The enemy's trying to rob you of your message. Your message is not the mask issue. 
Your message is Jesus Christ. Amen? Stay on message. And notice the Lord is moving here. He's working here because what's happening as they're persecuting them and as they're going from one place to another is they're spreading the gospel. Amen. God is using them in a mighty way. But what I want you to see here also is that one of Satan's most effective weapons is division. One of his effective, most effective weapons, weapons is division in the world and, I'm ashamed to say, in the church. Division in the church. Now, this whole mask issue, can I address this for a second? <laughs> you know, people who wear a mask are not evil and people who don't wear a mask are not evil. Amen? Amen? And, 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 but, but, but I, I watched it, I thought, Lord, the, the church has faced down legions of demons, and yet people are divided over a mask. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with it is that people are behaving carnally. They're walking in carnality. We got people, friends and family, won't talk to each other or whatever. Or, 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 or divide us over politics. Or, 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 you know, whether black lives matter or not. All lives matter. I have to say that. You know why I have to say that? This is why I have to say it. And I know people get, people get mad. Well, you don't understand. No, I understand where you're coming from, homie. No, I understand exactly where you're coming from. But the reality is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. To God, all lives matter. And we don't just single out one people over another. The atrocities and all that have been done to the African-American race in this country is horrendous. And because we did matter to God, God has brought us thus far. All lives matter to the Lord. All lives are important. All right, that's a whole nother sermon. Let me move on. To simply say this, this division is because of what Paul said to the church in Corinth. I don't care what kind of division. Whatever you feel divided, you can't talk to folks anymore because, you know, they're of a different race or whatever. I mean, come on. Let's not be like the world. And Paul rebuked the church in Corinth, and he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? God doesn't want us acting like mere men. He wants us acting like children of God. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, one says, I wear a mask, another says, I don't wear a mask, one says, I'm Democrat, one says, I'm Republican, one says, I'm conservative, one says, I'm liberal. Are you not chill, carnal? Because you're causing division in the house of God. And Christ is not divided. He is only one. I'm passionate about it because I don't want to see that spirit of the world coming into the house of God. We ought to be an example to the world of patience and tolerance and love for one another. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? Ephesians chapter 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul said, beseech you to walk worthy, worthy of Jesus, of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring doesn't mean everybody agrees on every issue. <laughs> endeavoring means 
rather that Christ is worth the effort to keep the peace. Endeavor to keep the peace. And notice in verse 6, <laughs> I just want to point this out because it's interesting. I thought, well, you know what? They, they stayed because of the sustaining presence of the Lord. God sustained them. But then when he found out they were going to be taken out, <laughs> assassination plot, they, they, they left. Were, were they being chicken? Were they, did they lose their faith? I don't believe so. I believe God was directing them for one thing. The gospel was continued to spread. They continued to preach the gospel. But there's a lesson there for us, too, that, you know, just because you have the sustaining presence of the Spirit in your life doesn't mean you don't have common sense. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. And, and sometimes, you know, believers, they, they kind of have to throw their, their brains out when they come to Jesus, you know, they, they kind of check their brains at the door. No, they use common sense. But God was using the trials and what was happening to further the gospel. Don't be guilty of tempting the Lord. What I mean by that, don't engage in foolish and unwise behavior. And then go, God, where are you? I'm over here where there's wisdom <laughs> when you're walking in foolishness. Don't tempt the Lord. I mean, when Jesus was tempted, one of the temptations from the devil, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, that he brought, uh, the devil that he brought against Jesus, was that he took him to the pinnacle of the temple, the top of the temple, and he said, cast yourself off from here. Is it not written that if he will send his angels to keep you from dashing your foot against a stone? And Jesus said to the devil, that it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He was tempting Jesus to do something foolish. And oh, God, I'll step in there, God, will help you. Wait, you know, that was foolishness. You're tempting the Lord. You're daring God. Make sure that you're not doing that. And so, you know, Paul and Barnabas, uh, uh, Barnabas, they didn't tempt the Lord. They said, hey, these guys are coming. They're, they, they're dead set on, on killing you. Well, it's, it's time to move at this point. And I believe the Spirit of the Lord led them to go to Lystra and Derby and to continue to preach the gospel so that the gospel would spread. Here's a great proverb that's great to remember uh, because discretion is the better part of valor. Proverb 22, verse 3, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Amen. The good news is that God gets us out of stupid situations <laughs> when we cry out to him. Be careful that you're not tempting the Lord. The application that I want to leave you with today is, simple, is very simple. As marrow sustains the bones, so the presence of the Lord sustains his people. We need the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord sustained Paul and Barnabas in Iconium. The presence of the Lord will sustain his church today. And as marrow is to the bone, if you don't have marrow in the bone, you, you won't be able to walk out of here. Your bones are brittle. They're no good. It's kind of like having, uh, um, uh, the Bible says in the last days, people will have a form of godliness, but denying the power, the presence of God thereof. And there's a lot of Christians who live their lives like if their bones are dried out bones. There's no marrow. There's no relationship with God because they're not in love with the presence of God. We have to be in love with his presence. His presence is what will sustain you. Not a better economy, not another check from the government. But the presence of God is what sustains us today. Amen. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 says that he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge, amen. amen, and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. 
dwell in his presence. What, what does it mean to dwell in his presence? It says, it says that he who dwells in the secret place of the most high. How do I dwell in the secret place of the most high? I continue to trust in the Lord. Because he tells us there, he says, is that person that says that uh, he is my refuge and my fortress, he is my God. In him I will trust. I will trust in good times and bad times. I trust him in success and failure. My trust is in the Lord. Dwell in his presence this week. In conclusion, I mentioned Daniel chapter 3 in the very beginning. Those three Hebrew boys, we call them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And how they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And I love what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 25 and, and verse 27. The Bible says the king looked into the furnace. And he said, I see four men loose. And they threw three in. He said, but I see four. <laughs> walking in the midst of the fire. Walking around. And they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth. It's like the Son of God. Hallelujah. That's Jesus in the Old Testament. Theologians call it a theophany. And then it went on to say, and when it came out of the furnace, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. We dropped, jumped out of the frying pan into the fire in 2020, but the fire had no power over these men. And the fire has no power over you. Why? Because of the sustaining presence of God. And their hair, the Bible says, on their head was not singed, nor were their garments uh, affected. And the smell of fire, the smell of smoke, was not even on them. That's our God. That's God's promise for us in this year. In 2020, he says, I know you've been in the fire. But if you trust in my presence, my sustaining presence, the fire will have no power over you. <laughs> Isaiah said this and I will close fear not for I am with you the Lord says be not dismayed for I am your God I will strengthen you yes I will help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand amen thanks for catching today's episode of Pastor Al Pittman's teaching on the CWCCS podcast if you haven't already, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if this message hit home for you, share it with a friend. You can also support this ministry and these free teachings by visiting cwccs.org and click on Give. While you're there, you can also find the full archive of teachings from Al Pittman by clicking on the sermons link. That's cwccs.org. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is presented by Calvary Worship Center of Colorado Springs.